You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We started this last week, uh, and, I, and I want to preface some of this. We started talking about this last week, and what we're looking at, we've been looking at the whole week, all right, of Passover. It was a week uh, when Jesus, from the time, what we call Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem all through the week, the elements of Passover. We're going to look at some more of those today. We're looking at um, the Jewish calendar. We're looking at what this feast was about because every, and, and we're, we're barely scratching the surface. There were three feasts that took place that week. Um, the, the two are real closely linked. I mean, there's, there's Passover itself. A part of that feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but it is its own separate day. And then the Feast of First Fruits. And those are, they are linked together. And Jesus, uh, those, those feasts in particular, those springtime feasts, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of Israel rehearsed in detail everything that Jesus was going to do as Savior. It's, it's a phenomenal study. And I, and I just say this to you, it, you know, I really encourage you to dig into this further because we have nowhere near enough time to go through all of the nuances of this, but we do want to cover some of it. So we began this last week and we laid a lot of foundation. One of the things I brought up is how many of you have ever wondered if Jesus was crucified on Friday afternoon, rose from the dead on Sunday morning, how does that equate three days and three nights in the grave? How many of you have ever had that thought? One. What a bunch of, no, no. <laughs> Several of you, and some of you are here, I was just going to say you should have been here last week because we covered that. No, no, we're going to go back through a lot of that uh, this week. But that's a question I get a lot, I get from people, is how does that equate? Well, it doesn't. Uh, we have a tradition that doesn't fit with the historical record, the biblical record of what actually took place. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, I had, I guess it was just this morning. I, you know, there, there are a lot of people posting. I posted some things online this week about that and about how that week went. Uh, but, you know, some people get really upset about that kind of thing that, well, why is everybody celebra or celebrating, you know, recognizing the crucifixion on Good Friday when it didn't happen on Friday? Well, why do we recognize the birth of Christ on December 25th when there's no way it happened on December 25th? We still come together and celebrate it. I, I think getting antagonistic over things like that is a little bit counterproductive to the spirit of Christ. But at the same time, it's great to know what did take place because it's rich, it's full. What, G, what, the, what God did in all those seven feasts that Israel practiced throughout every year was he demonstrated, he again rehearsed exactly what the Messiah would do. And so it's really important for us to understand some of that. So that's what we're going to look at again today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have, well, let, let me wait till I get there. I've got a handout for you because some of what I'm going to put up on the screen is really hard to read unless you're 25. 
Uh, and actually what I'm going to hand you on paper isn't much easier. It's just the way it is. So, so let's review a little bit. So we talked last week about this. We read from Exodus chapter 12. You guys ready? You ready to go? We read from Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 14, which is where God originally instituted Passover as he was bringing uh, Israel out of Egypt. And the meaning of Passover for them, well, it all spoke of their deliverance from Egypt. But it also, as we've discovered, it, has, it also speaks uh, specifically of the work of Christ and our freedom from sin and spiritual death. So we said last week that uh, this, the Feast of Passover was the first of seven religious feasts. It was done in, when God, back in Exodus, when he gave them the Feast of Passover, he said, okay, this is going to be the first month of your year. There are two calendars in Judaism, and I, th I think that's true to today, but there is a civil calendar that is totally different from their religious calendar. On the religious calendar that God gave, Nisan was the very first month. So that speaks to us of the fact that we just sang it, our life began when death was arrested. We gave our life to Jesus Christ. That's when our new life began, all right? So, so the Lord uh, gave them that uh, instruction that this is going to be the first month and this is the first feast, all right? For the Jews, it commemorates the miraculous deliverance of Israel from Egypt. It also commemorates our deliverance from spiritual death. The first thing was that every household had to select a lamb. There had to be a lamb sacrificed for each household. We talked last week about some of the instructions about that. The point of it being every person has to make a decision for Jesus Christ. All right, just because you were born into a house with Christian parents doesn't make you a Christian. You have to accept Jesus to enter into the family of God. All right. And so we talk again, we talked, I'd really recommend you go get last week's uh, teaching because there's a lot of this we won't go back over. But what they did was this happened on the 10th day of the month, the 10th day of Nisan, the 10th day of that month. Everybody selected a lamb for a house. By the time Jesus walked the earth, people selected a lamb, a Passover lamb for their own house. But also there was a lamb that was selected and brought to the temple that was the Passover lamb for the nation. All right, and that's going to become really uh, important here in a few minutes. Those lambs, it was said, they had to be without spot or blemish, meaning they had to be perfect. And so from the 10th day of Nisan to the 14th day, which was the beginning of Passover, to the 14th day, those lambs were examined and they were kept. And that was the instruction there. And I think we read it this morning in Exodus. Take those lambs, keep them for those four days. We saw that in Jesus' life, he was examined during those four days. We'll look at that in, in just a minute. So, uh, in fact, we'll, I'll, I'll put this thing out and we'll, we'll take a look at this. Um, er, the lambs, Everybody, like we talked about during communion, every house had to apply that blood to escape judgment. They had to be under the blood of the lamb. The lamb had to be roasted with fire. Couldn't be boiled, couldn't be microwaved, couldn't be anything else. It had to be roasted because fire in, uh, speaks of judgment. 
And it was a picture of the fact that the judgment of God for all of our sin was going to come upon Jesus Christ. So it had to be roasted with fire. Every bit of it had to be consumed. You didn't get to pick and choose the parts of the scripture is what we would think of, the parts of the word, the parts of him that we, we couldn't pick and choose what we liked. It all had to be consumed. If it wasn't all consumed that first night, it had to be burned. And as we just read a few minutes ago, they had to do this with their shoes on their feet, ready to go, which speaks to us of ready to change, ready to move forward in Christ. We accept him, and then we don't just... trying to think of a better way to say this. We don't just sit on our tails until... Jesus comes back or we go to heaven. We consume him day by day by day and we change. We grow. We will continually grow and be transformed in him till the day that he comes back or we go to be with him. All right. So there was, a, there was this idea that one, you know, when that lamb is consumed, do it ready to move. All right. This, is, this becomes important as we look at these timelines. The Jewish day begins at 6 p.m. Just like technically our day begins at 12 a.m. And we don't often think about that, but it does. At 12.01, it's the next day. The Jewish day begins at 6 p.m. And then it is divided into sections. The first part that we mentioned this last week from God's perspective, and he said this in Genesis during creation, he said, remember, there was an evening and there was a morning the first day. There was an evening and there was a morning the second day. Night came before light. Dark came before light. And I think that's a perspective. And again, we talked about this last week. That's a perspective that I think God wants us to hold. Light always follows darkness. There is always hope in God. Whatever it is you're experiencing today, light follows darkness. All right, joy comes in the morning. You, you get these things and you realize it's all throughout the scripture. All right, but the main point that we need to get tonight as we, or today as we look at these, is it day or is it night? As we look at these, is that the day is going to begin at 6 p.m. And that uh, will be on, on this handout that we're going to give you. And then finally, and just catch this, and then we'll, we'll move on. On the Passover week, and it just happens that this year, our calendar lines right up with the, the Passover week in the Bible. It doesn't always. It moves around, right? But... This year, it lines right up, so it's kind of nice. With the, uh, you know, the, the 10th, was Palm Sunday, was last Sunday. Well, that's when Jesus entered Jerusalem, and that's when he entered Jerusalem, was on the 10th day of their first month, etc. But there are two Sabbaths in this week. And I think this is why some people get confused. And some of the things I've read online this week, that where people were talking about how this week went, what they didn't understand is there are two Sabbaths, and that's not that unusual. There is a weekly Sabbath in the Jewish world, which is Saturday. That is always their Sabbath. 
But during these different festivals, there are a number of places where there is another Sabbath. It is a high Sabbath. It is one of, uh, it is one of the feast days. In this case, it was Friday, the day of unleavened bread. So some of the verses we read, like where it says that they needed to bury Jesus before the Sabbath, they're not talking about Saturday, they're talking about Friday, because that's the first Sabbath that comes in that week. All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead. How many of you can read that? Okay, we have a bunch of these on paper. They're not much better. This is how it came off. This isn't mine. This is how it came off the computer. I, I know we all were wanting to do this. Yeah. I'm going to talk you through it, but anybody who wants one of these on paper, this is the timeline for the whole week. Gary's going to hand those out to you. I think we have enough. I printed some more this morning. All right, I'm going to let him do that for a minute. Oh yeah, I'm okay, I think. So as, as you're waiting for him, let me begin to talk, this, talk you through this. So we looked last week, because last week was Palm Sunday. The first event that happens, happens on the 10th day of the month, which we call Palm Sunday, all right? And again, ours is not always on the 10th, but it is the beginning of this Passover week. And the event that takes place, if you don't have enough of those, then uh, too bad. No, uh, I think I got enough for everybody. The first event that happens, we, we see it as the day, remember, that Jesus came into Jerusalem and the crowds were cheering him as the coming king, right? So Jesus came into Jerusalem. Also on that same day, the Passover lambs are brought into Jerusalem. All right, remember what Exodus said on the, on the 10th, you will select your lamb for your household. Everybody listening? And so when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and the crowds were cheering and giving him praise as the coming king, at the same time, Passover lambs for, for households were being brought into Jerusalem and the Passover lamb was being selected by the priests. And then, like I said, for four days, that lamb or those lambs, are to be examined for any flaw. And we talked about this last week. We read a bunch of scriptures. So I really encourage you, get the podcast, watch the video, something. We read all the scriptures where during those four days, Jesus presented himself. He came into Jerusalem and came on public display. The Passover lamb for the nation was brought to the temple and put on public display. When Jesus came in, First thing he did was cleanse the temple, and we'll talk about that uh, a little later. Secondly, for all those days, remember he sat in the temple in public view, and he was questioned by everybody. He was questioned by the priests. He was questioned by uh, the Pharisees. He was questioned by the Sadducees. He was questioned ultimately by both the Jews and the Gentiles. And in every case, all the way up, we read this last week. It's fun stuff to read. They, they'd come with their hardest question to try and trip him up, to try and show some flaw in him. And he'd give them this wise answer and they'd leave because they just, in every case, they'd say, 
we can't find any fault in this guy. Finally, they came down to, there's, there's a point where they were asking him questions and they finally said, you know what? Or it says in the scripture, they, they refused to ask him any more questions because he kept answering the, with perfect godly wisdom. No fault was found in him. When, when he went before um, Caiaphas, the high priest, after he was arrested, and then when he went before Herod, and when he went before Pilate, Pilate tried to release him multiple times because he kept saying, I can't find any fault in him. I can't find any basis for the charges you're bringing against him. I can't find any reason to, uh, to kill this person. I get to uh, kill this person. I can't find any fault. It was said over and over and over again. That's because the Passover lamb had to be perfect. And for four days, it was put on public display and it was it was held there from the fourteenth or from the tenth until the fourteenth. Okay, so then we come to the fourteenth day of Nisan, the fourteenth day of the month, and that's when God said the Passover lamb had to be killed on that day. All right, and in this case, it falls on a Thursday. All right, and so we come to the fourteenth day. And, and the, that 14th day begins at what we would call 6 p.m. Wednesday. Thursday begins at 6 p.m., right? You got that? So somewhere between 6 p.m., after 6 p.m., Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples. And then, remember, they went out to the garden. They went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, they had, all of that took place, and then there he was betrayed, and he was arrested, actually by the, the priest, he was arrested by the temple guard, and he was, he was taken, and this is all through the night, and through that night is when Peter denied him three times. All that took place during the night part of the 14th of Nisan. And then he ended up with Pilate, who wanted to release him. Again, final examination. And then what the process that they went through was that at 9 a.m., which they call the third hour of the day, at 9 a.m., the high priest takes that Passover lamb that's been on display in the temple takes that Passover lamb and ties it to the altar, ties it up at the altar to be sacrificed at 3 p.m. on the 14th. This is all Thursday, all right? So the high priest takes that lamb and ties him up. At 9 a.m. at the third hour, Jesus was tied and then nailed to the cross. At the same time that they tied the Passover lamb up, Jesus was tied and nailed to the cross. That's what I'm talking about. This was rehearsed for, I've read, about 1,500 years. I know there were gaps where the Jews didn't do this because they'd forgotten it, but then it would come back. They did this in person. People walked this out and lived this out, detailing even the time when the Messiah would go to the cross. So at 9 a.m., Jesus is put on the cross. For six hours, he's on the cross. And at 3 p.m., three things happen. Um, 
when we read in the scripture, like back in Exodus says, the, the lamb must be killed at twilight. What that word means is the time halfway between when the sun begins, you know, passes its zenith and begins to go down and the time that it goes down. And they settled that as 3 p.m. So at 3 p.m., the high priest took that lamb, put it on the altar, said the words, it is finished, and cut the lamb's throat. And at 3 p.m., our Bibles tell us that Jesus said, it is finished, and gave up his spirit. They didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. He gave his life. It wasn't taken from him. But it happened at the exact same moment that the, the, the Passover lamb in the temple was being killed. All right? And that Passover lambs were beginning to be killed throughout the nation in people's homes when they, when they had them for themselves. Isn't this, this is just great stuff. God set this in motion. Here's what, what I feel whenever I study any of these, any of these feasts. God is so faithful that he set these things in motion. He detailed what was going to happen. And then he had people practice it, rehearse it, publicly perform it for hundreds and hundreds of years so that when his lamb went to that cross, we would know this was the lamb of God. Does that make sense to you? All right. And he was crucified on Mount Moriah, which is the same place that Abraham took Isaac to give him as a sacrifice to the Lord. But God stepped in and said, I will provide myself a lamb. It's just, it's just astonishing stuff. Okay. So that all took place. Let me run through this week. And then we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at these next two feasts that are all a part of this week. I don't have this for you anywhere, but here, and I don't know if you can see it, but the way this works is again, Thursday, the 14th starts at at sundown at 6 p.m. Okay, the 14th day starts at 6 p.m. Jesus was crucified at 3 p.m. on the 14th, or Jesus died at 3 p.m. on the 14th. And this gives you, so that's the, that's the first day that he was in the grave. The second day, again, which would be Friday, begins at 6 p.m. Thursday. That's the Feast of Unleavened Bread that we're going to talk about. It's another part of Passover. The lamb has to be consumed on that day. When they said that, remember, the priests went to the Romans and said, hey, you got you to gotta break these guys' legs because we can't have someone. This just boggles my mind. We can't have someone hanging on the cross on our Sabbath so go ahead and kill them. He's totally innocent. They were willing to crucify him, but religion at its best said, but that won't look good outwardly. So be sure you get here and then the grave before 6 p.m. Thursday when the Sabbath of Friday would begin. Again, that's a high Sabbath. It's a day of unleavened bread. So he was killed or he died. He gave up his life at 3 p.m. He was in the grave before 6 p.m., which began the day Friday, the day of unleavened bread. So, so that's another night and another day on the 15th. Then there's another, again, it's another weekly Sabbath on what we would call Saturday, the 16th, uh, another night and another day. And then he uh, rises from the dead on the 17th which was Sunday, 
which is the day of first fruits that we're about to talk about. And that's why people ask, well, why doesn't the church meet on Saturday since that was the Jewish Sabbath? Because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. He was raised the day after the weekly Sabbath. He was raised on another feast day that had been practiced for all those years that was about new life and resurrection. So again, he fulfilled all the meaning of all these feasts. So let's look at the other two real quick. I hope that makes sense to you. I could take four or five weeks uh, to do this. Those of you that know me know I'm not kidding. But um, so let's look at that day of, uh, it's the first day of Passover. Uh, It's Friday. Oh, that's not up there anymore. Uh, It's the 15th day of Nisan. So the lamb is, is... taken and killed on the the 14th day. And then they were told back in Exodus, you need to eat that lamb and eat all of us, all of it through that night into the the 15th. So here's, uh, I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 12. You guys still with me? I feel like I'm just rushing, but I've only got so much time. I know the food's going to get to you eventually out here. Um, So Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading with verse 15. So this is another part of the instruction about Passover and about the Passover week. It says, For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast, unleavened bread, right? On the first day, which is the 15th, remove the yeast from your houses, for whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, the day of of unleavened bread, and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare the food. All right, so the Jewish understanding of of this day of unleavened bread, again, part of Passover, was that you're supposed to take, let me start at a different place. What they would do and what the tradition became is that actually during those four days ahead, uh, one of the things was that the, the mom in the house would hide 10 pieces of leaven throughout the house. And then what they would do is they would, uh, they would have the children and the father go with a candle, bring light into the house, everything else dark, bring light into the house and go and find those pieces of leaven. Leaven in the Bible, there are several types of leaven mentioned by Jesus, but it is a symbol of corruption. Leaven is something that you, you put into a loaf, put a little bit in, and it it expands the whole loaf, right? It is something that a little tiny bit can get in and it spreads throughout the whole. It it makes the, you know, it, uh, I don't really understand the process, but apparently leaven, leaven is alive and it gets through the whole loaf and it expands and all this. Well, the scripture talks about leaven in a negative way. It talks about it. One of the uh, pictures is of sin. And when it gets into one area of our life, it gets into other areas of our life. So for us, the picture is one of the removal of sin from our life. So it speaks of repentance. It speaks of applying what Jesus did to our life. It speaks of all these things. It's the removal of that. So what they would do in their house is mom would put this leaven around the house. And then they'd have the children, 
We're supposed to come to him like children. Take a light and find those pieces of leaven. And they were real careful about the way they picked that up. They didn't touch it. There's a whole thing about it that I'm not going to go into. And they would take it out and get rid of it. So they got all the leaven out of the house. And as this says, for the, the whole seven days after that, no one's to eat anything with leaven in it. It's a symbol of being sanctified. It's a symbol of being set free from sin and removal of sin from our lives that they do on this day of unleavened bread. And so for them, it was this picture of Israel being taken out of Egypt. For us, it's a picture of Egypt, slavery to sin, being taken out of this, of this house and this temple. It was during those four days when people were cleansing their house of, of leaven that Jesus cleansed the temple in public. Jesus cleansed the temple. It's one of the first things he did. So they, would, so they would remove all of that from their house. And then during those days, you know, we know Jesus said, I am the bread of life. During those days, they could only eat that unleavened bread. Bread without corruption. Bread that was, and, and here's, I love this. This, this bread, it was flat bread. And when you see pictures of it, you see pictures, it's unleavened, so there's no corruption in it. Because of the way it was cooked, it was striped. Jesus took his stripes on his back for our healing. It, had, it has stripes in it and it was pierced. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. It's just awesome. I mean, down to the detail. God figured this stuff out and gave this to them. So during the Passover meal, there were three loaves of bread that were wrapped together as one. Speaking of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are three, but they are one, right? And that was a part of the meal. And what they always did was they took the middle loaf out. And I, I, we knew a couple that uh, were of Jewish origin, and uh, practiced Judaism until they got born again. And then they, you know, led our whole church back in Albuquerque through a Seder meal and all of that. And he said growing up, he always wondered, because they saw it as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the middle loaf would have been Isaac. He said, I always wondered why we broke Isaac, you know. <laughs> but it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they would take the Son out, and they would break that loaf Half of it would be consumed and half of it would be wrapped in linen and put aside until later. Yeah. Just like Jesus gave himself for us, was wrapped in linen, put in the tomb for three days and, and then rose on the third day. Is this amazing? I, I love this stuff. I won't say that. So, so they would, again, the, the kids would go find that bread also. At least that's what our, our friend told us. And I love the fact that the children were involved in this and that they would go find that, that piece after a time that was wrapped in linen and put aside. So all of this took place on that day of unleavened bread. Again, that's, that's in this case, it's Friday the 15th. While Jesus is in the tomb, all of this is taking place in Israel. The next day, Saturday, is a weekly Sabbath. So on those days, nobody's allowed to work. Jesus is still in 
the tomb, all right? And then the final part of this week is the Feast of First Fruits. All right, now we talk about first fruits and the whole biblical idea of first fruits a lot around the tithe because it is the bringing of the first part of our increase to God. And um, I believe first fruits was first given to them. Yeah, actually I have it here. was in Leviticus uh, 23, 9 through 14. And, and I'm not going to read all of it, but um, there weren't any specific dates given for first fruits, but it was to be held after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the day after the weekly Sabbath, or the first day of the week. So it would always be on the first day of the week, but depending on where Unleavened Bread fell, it uh, could be a different distance uh, from, that, from that day. But it would always be on the very first day of the week. And Again, that's why for us, I believe, for Christians, we meet on the first day of the week. We meet on Sunday, all right? Because Jesus was raised from the dead on that day to fulfill this feast. Um, Just read these verses to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20. Paul writing, of course, he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits." of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For in in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So the Feast of Firstfruits was a grain offering. And this, I, I thought this was interesting that uh, the way it began was they'd go out into the, the field. They would cut a sheaf of grain. They would bring it uh, before the Lord. They would wave it side to side, meaning this first part represents the whole. And we see that uh, played out. That's, that's one of the meanings of the whole idea of first fruits. Is, and Paul tells us that over in Romans chapter 11, verse 16. He says, if the first fruit is holy, then the whole lump is holy. All right, we apply that to our giving where the tithe is concerned. When we bring that first part, it's representative of the whole. The first fruit is always representative of the whole. So when Jesus was raised from the dead on the day of first fruits, it guaranteed you and I being raised from the dead also in him because he is the first fruit. He was the first. Other people, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead. But being raised from the dead, there have been lots of people raised from the dead. There are still people being raised from the dead today. But being raised from the dead is not the same as resurrection. Resurrection, that a resurrection body doesn't die again. A resurrection body that we will all get is a brand new body that goes with our brand new spirit and goes with our renewed soul. It is a body that has, it's, it's why Jesus kept walking through walls and saying, peace be with you to people who were terrified because he had that resurrection body. It's really interesting, not our subject today, but I mean, he ate and drank with them in his resurrection body. 
but it was still, it was a res- it's a deathless, once resurrection takes place, there's no more dying, all right? So Jesus was resurrected on that first day of the week, on that, on that day, and it was the day of first fruits, representing everybody who would come after him. You with me? The first fruit also always represented, represented the whole. Um, it represented the choicest part, the best part, the permanent part, which is interesting. And what is true of the first fruit will be true of the whole. All right. Jesus, and the scripture tells us this over and over. It says we have the same new life that he has that we have that resurrection life at work in us. Talks about this over and, and over and over. That's all because Jesus was the first fruit. Now get this, I'm almost done here. Biblical history of first fruits. There were other things that happened on that day that was, that was later uh, became the day of first fruits. On that day, Noah's ark rested on Mount Ararat and the people came out into a brand new covenant and a brand new life. This always speaks of brand new, brand new life, brand new covenant. Isn't that amazing? That took place on the same day. Israel crossed the Red Sea into new life, new existence with God on that day that later became the day of first fruits when Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, One more Um, in Joshua's day, when they went into the promised land, the manna ceased and they began to eat. They began to eat from, they moved from eating the manna that God provided every day. They moved into eating the fruit of his blessing and, and began that whole new life on the same day, on the same day that Jesus was resurrected. You understand what I'm saying? Not the same year, but the same day, God demonstrated what he was going to do over and over and over and over. It's, it's just awesome. So Karen read these scriptures at the beginning of the service, but I want to wrap up with a couple of them again in Luke chapter 24. It says, on the first day of the week, which we know now is Sunday the 17th that year, this Sunday, very early in the morning, the, woman, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? I love that. We sing that in one of our songs. It's just so awesome. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And finally, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What an awesome statement. All of that is because 
God played this out and Jesus fulfilled every one of those feasts. Seven weeks approximately from now, they would celebrate the day of Pentecost. And we may take time to go. That's another feast. It's another harvest feast, but that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. In the fall, they had three more feasts that Jesus has not yet fulfilled. And every one of those speak of end times realities. They speak of the rapture. They speak of judgment. They speak of the final gathering of God's people. So this is still going, we are still in this calendar. We are still living in the fulfillment of all of this prophecy. So let's stand up and pray together this morning. If you are here, uh, I know most of you, I don't know all of you. If you are here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we would love to pray that prayer with you. It is more than evident that he is our Passover lamb. Paul says that. He says, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And now, eat the bread without leaven. I, I think it's important for us as we just celebrate this, we celebrate the resurrection, but a big message of this whole week was, do all of this ready to go forward. Do all of this ready to move forward in your life, ready to move forward in him, ready to grow, ready to change. And I would just like to pray over all of that this morning as we wrap up. Father, first of all, Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can personally, Lord, he is our Passover lamb. And we can receive what he has done personally by simply accepting what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for our sin. He had no sin, but he carried our sin to that cross. He died for us. And the wrath of God for all sin for all time was poured out on him. But Lord, he was that, that lamb that was out without spot or blemish. And so he was in that tomb for three days, three nights, and he rose from the dead. And because of that, we celebrate this morning the new life that you have given to us the resurrection life that lives in us. And that life, Lord, that not only empowers us, but Father, that lets us be a church that can go out into our world and release your life to others and pray with others and minister to others. And so, Father, this morning, we thank you for the whole picture. We thank you for everything Jesus is and everything Jesus has done and everything he is doing in the earth today. We are so grateful. And Lord, we choose this morning, we will be those people with the staff in our hand and the sandals on our feet, ready to walk with you, ready to do the things that you ask us to do in our personal world, day to day and week to week. And Father, we thank you for a living body of Christ in this earth. We thank you for a body of Christ in this earth that is filled with your life and filled with your spirit. God, we thank you for the assignments that you have given us. We thank you for the empowering of us through the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that day by day we feed on your grace by faith. It is all too good for us to imagine, honestly. So, Father, we just thank you for that this morning. And, Lord, as we're closing up, I also just pray over all of the food we're about to receive God, that it be blessed to our body's good use and also, even more importantly, the fellowship that we will share. 
God, the fellowship that we will share together, the, the union. Lord, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we recognize those relationships are incredibly important. And so, Father, we thank you for building those relationships today as we eat together. We do it all to honor you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you need prayer for anything after church, I'd love to pray for you. Certainly, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, or if you have questions, uh, love to love to talk to you about it and help you with that. So. We're going to be dismissed on the count of three. There's loads of good food out there, as you know. So I hope everybody will stay around and enjoy yourselves together today. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.